Hi everyone, welcome to SCAPA, a program which invites an expert each week to discuss a topic from their area of expertise. This week we are delighted to have Parma Coppola to tell us how to beat and prevent autoimmune conditions naturally. Have you ever had or been diagnosed with some form of autoimmune condition. Perhaps you've been experiencing symptoms for some time or you're worried because autoimmune conditions run in the family. Now is the time to take back your health. Autoimmune conditions are reversible, but you need to address the root causes head on. Even if you have bad genes or you've had a bad lifestyle which is conducive to this poor health, you can reclaim your health. Parma is an author, speaker, and functional medicine certified health coach, FMCHC, who specializes in helping people reverse and prevent autoimmune conditions. She developed a framework called FIGHTS to help others beat autoimmune conditions based on her 26-year battle to overcome multiple sclerosis. Her new Amazon best-selling book, which you can see in her background, Beat Autoimmune, the six keys to reverse your conditions and reclaim your health, with a foreword by Mark Hyman, MD. In it, she shares the science, the stories, and strategies to help people heal and thrive. Palmer has done coursework with the Institute for Functional Medicine, the Heart Math Institute, and the Functional Medicine Coaching Academy. In addition, she has studied under leading experts in nutrition, holistic health, energy, and functional medicine. She founded <laughs> Autoimmune, a growing Facebook community of people proactively seeking to reverse or prevent autoimmune conditions naturally. Palmer, welcome to the show. It's brilliant to have you with us. John, it's an honor and privilege to be with you and your listeners. Before we start, I'd love to hear this, your own story. You were diagnosed with multiple sclerosis 26 or more years ago. Now, other people who I know or have heard of that have been given this diagnosis have spiraled downwards and have usually ended up um, somewhere else. But you haven't. You've managed to overcome multiple sclerosis and you're looking at the image of good health. How on earth did you do that? Mm. How is it possible? It's autoimmune system. It's your body turning against itself. You've done the impossible. How? Well, yes, yes and no. Uh, it's not that impossible, but it's a great place to start at the beginning. So let's start with my story. But for this, I have to take you back in time. Just a few years ago. Few years ago. I was a few years ago, I was diagnosed at age 19. Yeah. Um, and it just completely flabbergasted and took me by surprise, kind of like getting hit by a Mack truck out of the blue. Yes. Most people don't have that experience of getting hit by that Mack truck. They have yes. symptoms that are starting to progress and then they feel something. So my story might be a little unusual in this regard, okay. but here goes. Um, so I was home from, from my freshman year of college. It was summertime. Yes. I was living with my parents, just a happy, hardworking, hard-playing 19-year-old young woman. Yes. I was working a summer job. Uh, I was a hostess in a restaurant during the day. And one morning, I woke up, and the soles of my feet were all tingly. That feeling that you get when you've sat on a limb, and it's, 
you've sat on it too long and then when the blood flows back everything is tingly you know that feeling yes yes only this particular morning the tingling didn't stop as hard as i shook my feet it wouldn't stop and i thought this will just go away so i went off to work and over the course of the morning, the tingling just crept up and up and up my legs. Wow. By the time it reached my knees, I knew something was really wrong. So I called my family, yes. who called the family doctor, who said, get her to the neurologist at UCLA, a, a very good institution, um, to be seen by a neurologist as soon as possible. Yes. And so that's what we did. That afternoon, we sat in the neurologist's office. It was a woman who... After only about a five minute exam, she had me walk across her floor, heel toe, touch my fingers to my nose with my eyes closed and tap yes. my reflexes mm. and said, with a near certainty, I'm 99% certain that you have multiple sclerosis, MS. And if I'm right, there's nothing you can do. Mm. Mm. Now, later I learned, because my parents told me much, much later that she had also pulled them aside and said, you better get ready for her life in a wheelchair because that's where she's probably heading. Um, and the only other thing that you can do is take medication. Yes. She offered us no information, no hope. She said at the time there was a precursor imaging machine called an NMR for nuclear magnetic resonance image. Um, and this is the mid 80s. So that's the only thing that could conclusively prove that it was MS and otherwise to go home and wait. And so that's what we did. And by nightfall, the tingling had crept all the way up to right underneath my collarbone. And by the time we got into bed that night, my mom crawled in with me. She's holding me and crying. And I'm crying harder because every part of my body that had been tingling, which was at this point from the neck down, had gone completely numb. And I would stay numb, full body numbness for a six week period during wow. that summer. Wow. It was an absolutely terrifying time. Wow. So um, I am so grateful that my parents were absolute rocks, that they were my support system. And my mom was very quick to empathize and to support me and do whatever we could to plan for whatever uncertain future that we had. Could I go to a local college in a wheelchair? Would my parents have to care for me? My dad was very motivational and would tell me, honey, you can beat this thing. Yes. That's where the title comes from. You can beat this thing. So he had this, he inspired my can-do attitude. Um, so that was that was the summertime. Now I was basically relegated to the couch for those six weeks because literally I couldn't feel anything from the neck down. I could walk. It was a very weird looking shuffle, but I couldn't feel anything. So I lay on the couch and friends came over and visited and some brought cookies and books and whatever 19 year old friends bring. And this one family friend came and she brought a gift. John, I did not realize this was a gift at the time because I was very offended by this. She asked me a question. She said, Palmer, why do you think you got the MS? Yes. What do you mean, why do I think I got the MS? Are you accusing me of bringing this on myself? Wait a minute, did I bring this on myself? So I puzzled and pondered and I didn't have anywhere to go. So I chewed on that question like a dog with a bone. And, <laughs> and one day, as I lay there on the couch completely numb, at age 19, I had this flash of insight that came to me, and I have to take you a little bit farther back in time because I had been adopted as a baby by very loving parents, yes. and um, despite that fact, my dad had been a, a fighter pilot, 
and his way was invariably the right way. So we butted heads quite a bit. He yelled a lot. He was very opinionated and judgmental, and he didn't like the fact that my mom was overweight. So he used to yell at her and call her names, and I wasn't having any of that. So this insight that I had lying on the couch at 19 was a picture that came to me. I must have been age three or four. My little dukes are up. My dad is yelling at my mom who's locked herself in her bedroom and she's crying. He's calling her names. And I'm standing up to my dad saying, if you don't stop calling mom names, I'm going to sock your lights out. So I envisioned myself having become a child warrior. I had become hypervigilant. I was always on. I was scanning my environment for safety. I stopped sleeping at night for a period because what if something happened to my mother? I would have to be there to protect everyone. And so I viewed that chronic stress was the reason for the MS. And that initial hypothesis that chronic stress was the catalyst, if you will, the big trigger for the MS still rings true for me today, even though I know there's more to the story. And just as an addendum to that, uh, we now have the research, profound studies that have been done called the Adverse Childhood Experiences Studies. Are you familiar with those? They shorten them, uh, abbreviate them as ACEs. So you can look this up by looking for ACE study. And you'll see um, these these studies at Kaiser Permanente, this very large um, healthcare organization in conjunction with the CDC, the Centers for Disease Control, did together. Their original study, I think, was more than 17,000 middle class or higher class white Americans. And they they asked them to complete a survey with about 10 questions with regard to their physical, emotional, mental abuse or neglect. Mm. And these questions could have to do with, you know, what was one parent an alcoholic? And if you answered yes to one of the questions, that is considered one ace for your score. If you had an alcoholic parent and somebody who was verbally abusive or physically abusive, that was two aces. And you can see the correlation now between the number of aces that a person has and their risk for disease processes later in life, no matter their biology. So for example, I think if you have something like seven or eight ACEs as your score, it's as though it's the equivalent of being a smoker to develop lung cancer, even if you didn't smoke cigarettes. So it is a setup indeed for diseases later in life. It's profoundly important research that now more and more doctors and organizations, healthcare providers are aware of this so that they can ask their clients and patients, were you affected by these childhood traumas? Because there's something you can do about it now. It's not ever too late, but it's really important to be mindful that what happens in childhood does not stay in childhood. So let me, um, if I may, carry on with the story. Um, I'm very fortunate that that numbness retreated in the nick of time for me to go back to school. So off I went to my sophomore year of college, and that was the beginning of my 26-year journey with relapsing, remitting MS. And John, you asked the question, you know, don't most people go downhill into a wheelchair with MS? Well, no, not exactly, because there are many different types of MS. Um, So there's a spectrum, and some people 
um, are on that progressive path down and some have you know symptoms come and go regardless of which type of ms you have the hope for healing and recovery is there yes. um, and over the course of those 26 years i went to I saw six neurologists at least at leading institutions, each of whom repeated the very tired refrain, there's nothing you can do except take medication. And some said, or prepare for life in a wheelchair. And others said, or your life may be shortened if you don't go on the medication. Yeah. Um, so that was about as much as I got from the experts. And then on my other shoulder sat my dad, honey, you can beat this thing you know, encouraging that can-do spirit. But at the time, remember, this is mid-80s. There's no internet, right? The only thing that I had was my, my intuition in the public library. So that's what I relied on. Um, and so I did a bunch of experiments over the years. And, and I can just speak briefly on four because two worked extremely well, two did not work for me. And then I can get into um, what I've done since healing. Okay. Um, to help other people, because that's really, you know, I start with my own story. That's the springboard. Um, so the, the first experiment made a ton of sense, and that was stress reduction, because I viewed that if it was stress that got me into this mess, that I was going to need to learn how to relax. And one thing I want your listeners to really understand is that you don't have to practice your stress reaction. That just happens. Stress reaction just happens, Right. We have our, we go into our primitive fight flight. We don't need to train ourselves to run from a tiger or to be afraid of a father who might be violent in some way. That just happens. So to counterbalance that, we actually do need to practice the relaxation response because in fact, that's the only place where healing happens is when we relax. So I needed to figure out how in the world I was going to bring myself down and really relax. So I started, uh, I found yoga. I started doing yoga in the late 80s. I started meditating in the early 90s. And John, I found that when I did these practices, when I actually did the deep belly breathing, when I got on my yoga mat and let things go, when I did the meditation, I noticed that I didn't have so many flare-ups of the MS. I didn't have new symptoms wow. that things calmed down. It was striking. And yeah. conversely, when I was stressed, whether it was exams at school or later in the workforce when I was overwhelmed or if there was conflict at home, almost immediately I would find an exacerbation of symptoms or the advent of new symptoms. So um, that was very, very clear to me. And I worked in the corporate world for 20 plus years and there was lots of experiences of stress. <laughs> um, so, so no shortage of, of stress. So it became you know, almost a full-time job to make sure that that wasn't getting into my life because I could tell as clear as day the cause and effect. Stress led to symptoms and more unwanted symptoms and relaxation led to fewer symptoms. Very clear. Yes. Um, the second experiment was food. I just intuited that food must have something to do with the development of MS and how to heal. Right. So this, for this, I went to the public library and found a book called the Swank MS Diet Book, something like that by a Dr. Swank, I think. Um, and he purported that the best diet for MS was low-fat vegetarian. So I gave that a try. I, we were already a low-fat household, so there was no more fat to remove. But I could take out the meat, fish, chicken, and I just added in more whole grains. 
Yes. Not only did I not notice any improvement of the MS symptoms, I noticed a worsening of symptoms. I developed tummy trouble that I had mildly after eating. But when I added more whole grains, I noticed more, not run to the restroom kind of trouble, but just a churning, a gurgling that something was a little off, but I didn't, I didn't listen. I didn't listen to the symptoms for years and years and years. So that was not a winning experiment for me, but I'll go to the third experiment and that's medication. So I resisted for as long as possible taking any kind of medication. I just intuited that it might cause more harm than good. So I resisted until an especially persistent neurologist at Stanford insisted that the only way that I would not have a shortened life is to go on one of these injectable medications. So I gave it a try for four years. I injected myself different places, fatty parts of the body. That's where you do this. And not only did I not notice any improved improvement in symptoms, I noticed a worsening of what are considered to be side effects, which are not at all side effects. They are direct effects um, of the medication. But I'm, I, I only want to share this with people because everyone needs to make their own well-informed decision on whether to use medication or not. Yes. I simply want to help people understand that these are not without risks and you should do your own research to determine whether this is the best course of action for you. In my own experience, I developed a wound that didn't heal for six months and I developed symptoms of a heart attack one night after injecting myself. So that was a step too far. So um, I, that, that was my experience with medication. That was another experiment that did not work. And I'm one more experiment and then I will stop talking for a moment. Um, so it, by 2010, I had learned enough about nutrition to know that what I was eating might in fact be causing the tummy trouble after I ate, but I, I couldn't figure it out on my own. So I found a nutritionist, a functional medicine nutritionist. And I, I don't know if you and your audience are familiar with the concept of functional medicine, but it's all about restoring function by getting to the root cause of the problem instead of just treating things with, with medications and Band-Aids for surface solutions. So this functional medicine nutritionist ran some tests and sure enough, it turned out that I'm very sensitive to gluten. And um, she led me through this exercise of removing the gluten and healing my gut. And within one week of removing this gluten, I stopped having those tummy troubles, the rumbling after eating. And within one month of removing it, I stopped experiencing any and all MS symptoms ever again. And this is descent by November of 2010 that I stopped having symptoms at all. And I was so, it, I, I don't know if you've had this experience with anything that you can think of, because we typically think of when you feel something, you know it. But when you don't feel something, it's, it's a different kind of subtle knowing like, wait a minute, what's, what's different? What's wrong here? I don't feel like I'm plugged into a wall anymore. I don't feel that zapping energy, that, that misfiring energy moving through my body. Something is different. Wow, I, I'm not experiencing the felt sense of MS in my body. So I went back to the neurologist in February of 2011 to say, hey doc, this is unbelievable. I, I'm so excited. I don't feel those rubber bands around my torso. I don't feel like I'm walking underwater. My legs don't feel like lead anymore. It's just amazing. 
And he said to me, and I quote, Palmer, your MS must have been benign after all. He said, furthermore, gluten sensitivity is just a fad. This will pass. And by the way, I'd like you to go back on the medication. Of course. <laughs> so that was, that was my experience um, up until 2011. Um, and since then, I have not had one single tingling baby toe or any sense of the MS. I've since had an MRI that shows that the lesions have faded, disappeared, and that there are no new lesions. So it does show evidence in the brain that there was a pattern consistent with MS. But today, I did go back to the neurologist last year for a follow-up MRI eight years later and sat down with him. And I, I must give you the bookend to this conversation with this neurologist because when I walked back in the office, he had his tail a little bit between his legs and he said, Palmer, we now know that gluten sensitivity is real. And I bet more than a third of my MS patients are sensitive to gluten. Yeah. And I think it would be a good idea if you got this follow-on MRI. Now, I believe you're probably not going to go back on the medication. If you were my daughter, <laughs> I'd want you to go back on the medication. But he sat down with me and he showed me the before and after MRIs. And he looked at me and he said, this just couldn't be a better story. So that is a nutshell of the story. So sometimes it pays to be just a little bit stubborn, a little bit firm, and, and to be a thinking person and uh, think of all the avenues. Isn't it um, remarkable how uh, just the, the attitude of this, you know, gluten intolerance is no such thing as, as, oh, gosh. And then when they, when they discover it, then, yeah, of course. <laughs> yeah. It becomes a, a truism. So yeah. I, I want to add something real quick on that because I'm, I'm usually very quick to add that I am not suggesting that recovering from a very complicated um, disorder like MS or any of the other 150 autoimmune conditions is as simple as removing gluten and you're done. I, it, it's very much multifactorial and we'll get into those fa other factors. Um, but I am clear that had I not been doing the stress reduction techniques for those 26 years, I don't know that I would have had the same response, right? Sure. Because, because there's such an um, overlapping and combination effect between these different root causes and solutions. And, and bodies are so complicated, aren't they? <laughs> and unique. Everyone's different. Now, I always thought like auto, um, multiple sclerosis is an autoimmune condition where your body turns against itself. So how can an allergy to a food alter how your immune system responds to a mm. stimuli? Mm. Such a good question. And it's not just food. Um, it can be toxins. It can be stress. Mm. Um, so many of these inflammatory factors, um, the mediator for disease, as Hippocrates knew, is in the gut. So when we eat foods that we are not, um, shall we say, either biologically equipped to handle um, or that are inflammatory for us, they create uh, this level of inflammation in the lining of our gut, dis disrupt the microbial balance, mm. and 
the vast majority of our immune system resides in the lining of our gut. And that one cell thick barrier at the epithelial level is the, it's the most fragile barrier. And it's one of the largest we have. I don't know if it's bigger than the skin if you lay it out flat, but it is, it is this vast, they say the size of doubles tennis court, if you were to lay this out flat, but it's extremely thin. So when you're eating these inflammatory foods or you're taking medications or you're stressed, it creates this level of inflammation, irritation, and then the holes in the small intestine, which are supposed to be there, selectively leaky to let in your nutrients like this, you know, opening and closing like this. When you begin to tear the lining, it's like getting big holes in a fishing net. You want to keep the fish in, but if the holes get too big in the fishing net, the fish get into the fish get out of the net. Right. Similarly, that's when the food starts to go through the lining of the gut and into the bloodstream where it doesn't belong. And that's exactly where our immune system is. And the immune system just doing its job begins to tag those protein particles and develops antibodies, which are bullets to target those food particles. So if we take that gluten question at the molecular level, Gluten looks an awful lot like your body's own tissues, like the myelin sheath in MS, which is the, the protective coating of your spinal column and brain, right. and the thyroid. So when you begin to develop all of these bullets to go after the gluten, mm -hmm. you begin to create too many of these soldiers, these bullets, and they are looking for a fight. They're going around your bloodstream. They begin to overreact, misreact, and cross-react and our own tissues get caught in that crossfire. And that is the autoimmune attack. That's what's actually happening. So foods are one of many things that can be a big trigger for autoimmunity for that reason. Ah, it's very simple the way you put it. It's um, almost understandable. But once, you've got, once your body's gained or uh, developed an immune response to a food that's entered your, your bloodstream, you can't reverse it, can you? It's sort of like a key that, that your body's looking for. That, that, oh, you did you say you can't reverse it? Oh, or you quite understanding. I'm hoping you you uh, correct ah, me. Yes. John, John, you yes. can't. This is old news. This is just yes. <laughs> so so the thinking that you're sharing and the question that must be on <laughs> you know many people's minds is I was told that once this process is underway, you can't reverse it. There's nothing you right. can do. The best you can do is manage these diseases. And that's simply not true. That's last century thinking. And so I'm here to share the exciting science that makes this possible. So after I healed, I just dove into the research to find out how in the world could someone like me, your average woman, you know, who was told by six specialists that there's nothing you can do. And then my felt experience was there was so much that I could do. And in fact, I don't feel the MS in my body. I've taken, there's a Cyrex Laboratories Array number 7X, I think it's called, that measures your antibody level to your myelin basic protein and other neurological tissue that are normally under attack in MS. All of those antibodies are in the normal range, meaning there is no attack that's happening. So how do we explain this with the science? And so my research caused me to quit my day job. I was in sales and marketing and for technology companies up until... Uh, the year 2012, because I simply couldn't just sit back and take that nothing could be done. I had that you know, cognitive dissonance that you feel 
when you know in your heart, in your bones, that something is one way and yet these experts are telling you something else. So I found three very important pieces of science, um, the first of which is called epigenetics. And I'm sure many of your viewers and listeners know about epigenetics. Uh, it's a word that literally means on top of or above the gene. And it negates this myth that we've heard for years and years that our DNA is our destiny, that whatever your parents had or grandparents or siblings had, well, you're destined to get that too. It's a very fatalistic and frankly, victim kind of mentality, because why would you have to take care of your health if you're just going to get something anyway? But it turns out my MS didn't just go off like an egg timer at age 19. No, it's the environment that gives directions to our cells, to the genes as to whether or not they should be expressed. So what epigenetics tells us is that it's what we eat, what we drink, what we think, what we do that matters most. So moment by moment with every fork, literally with every fork full of food, every hour of sleep you get or don't get, the exercise you do or don't do, these choices that we make, these daily habits, every moment of every day are literally giving direction to our genes as to whether or not they should be turned on or turned off. You know, even a few hours of lost sleep every night turns on inflammatory genes. When you get those eight hours, or in some cases nine if you need them, it shuts off that inflammation. So it's, it's literally epigenetics gives the power to us, which is both the good news and bad news, because the great news is we're more in control of our health outcomes than we ever imagined possible. The bad news is you're in control. So you need to figure it out, right? You need to be responsible for what you eat, what you drink, what you think, and what you do. And, and that's, um, I found that to be so empowering and so exciting that that was, that was the first piece of news that I felt should have made front page news that didn't even make back page news. And for anyone listening who wants to know more about epigenetics, I suggest reading Bruce Lipton's wonderful book, The Biology of Belief, which I'm sure you know, um, a cellular biologist who you know, had his life turned on its head because he thought that everything he was teaching was right the central dogma that your DNA is your destiny when it turns out that was wrong. Mm. And he, he just, you know, had a major change of, of mind based on the reality, the new information. So that, that was the first exciting bit. Um, go ahead. Food allergies. How, um, how, how, if you've got an allergy to gluten, how can you, overcome that allergy or how can you make your body have lesser of a response? Well, this is a perfect segue because the next piece of exciting science answers that question. Um, that is, there's an autoimmune equation. Um, in the early 2000s, Dr. Alessio Fasano and his team who are now at Harvard Medical School, I believe, found the third element in the equation necessary for autoimmunity to develop. They, um, for years, we knew that genes play a, a role, don't know how big, and that our lifestyle, these environmental factors play a big role, like gluten. Um, but what they didn't know is, well, if you have the genes and you're eating gluten, how does that cause autoimmunity to happen, right? right. Um, and they found the third element in the equation, and that's called intestinal hyperpermeability, which is commonly known as a leaky gut. Yes. A leaky gut. And what makes this equation so exciting is that if you flip it, you can actually reverse the condition. So the equation for flipping it is 
detect and remove your triggers and heal and seal the lining of your gut. And you can potentially reverse the autoimmune condition. So in my case, I had found, detected my sensitivity to gluten, removed it from my life knowingly ever since. Now I've had some probably tossed in a salad unknowingly at restaurants and whatnot, but I've never knowingly eaten gluten again. And to heal and seal the lining of the gut and you can reverse the autoimmune condition. So that's how we heal from food sensitivities to answer your question directly, is by removing them for some period of time. Some things do need to go for good. And in my experience and my research, gluten seems to be one of those things. Um, We know it creates a leaky gut in anyone who eats it. That's fairly recent research. So if you have the proclivity for an autoimmune condition, whether it's lupus or rheumatoid arthritis or any of the 150 autoimmune conditions, and you're still eating it, you're perpetuating that leaky gut, which is the pathway to autoimmunity. So that's the uh, story with food sensitivities. What foods are good for restoring your, uh, for reducing the effects of leaky gut? So the your intestine can become less permeable. Are there any foods that you'd recommend people eat? Types of food? So, so the best thing that I recommend to people is to do for a 30-day period what's called an autoimmune paleo diet. Okay. Um, it's fairly strict. So you're gonna the thing that is most helpful, and, and I, I am very mindful of the question you ask, but I, I want to answer it this specific way because my observation of clients who heal and people that recover from these conditions fully is that the best thing to do is remove the bad stuff. Yes, yes you can add the nourishing stuff too, and those are going to be maybe different for different people. But the bad stuff, whether it's sugar, in some cases dairy and gluten and corn and soy, and some people react to nightshades, um, Doing your own experiment is the most empowering exercise that you might do. And in the meantime, having more, I would say, very humanely raised, 100% grass-fed meats and pastured chicken and small fish and loads of of vegetables, colorful and organic, um, is really the foundation for healing the gut. And bone broth happens to be a very nourishing food for the lining of the gut. Um, Collagen powders can be very helpful to people to put in maybe a smoothie, something that's easy to digest. Um, Things like that, avocado, very nourishing. But um, in general, healing is taking out the bad stuff. Does that make sense? Yes, yes, it does. Okay. I noticed I, I, I um, looked through some of your literature and you said that um, fermented foods are good as well for re-establishing your microbiome, things like kefir. <laughs> I, 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 I've got to apologize. Is, is that a beer? Is that a beer? Or it's, it's, it's a beer glass, but no, it's not. I've got to apologize every week to people and explain it's not actually what it looks like. <laughs> I make kefir. It's, it's really nice. But, but, but um, there's other fermented foods you can have as well, which, which um, you're stating that um, it improves your microbiome. Does, does that Absolutely. How, how important does the role have? Like if you have antibiotics, obviously it wipes out everything in your stomach, any, um, any beneficial 
bacteria that may be there. How, how important is it? If you're sick and you're aware that you've got, if you've got no healthy gut bacteria, you may develop conditions, but obviously um, you don't take antibiotics for an extended period of time, or most people don't. Um, how critical is it to have that flora? Uh, we are learning more and more about the microbiome, at least the largest one in our gut. And when we say the gut, in this case, we're talking about the large intestine or the colon, which is where this large microbiome lives. Um, it is essential to our health. And these microbes, which number the trillions and outnumber human cells, I don't know if it's 100 to 1, it keeps changing, but it's some unfathomable number. But these microbes we've had this perception about germs that we should just kill everything yes. that that is the way to restore health is by killing mm -hmm. and i will submit that we got ourselves into a lot of trouble um, by overdoing the antibiotic the word antibiotic literally means against life the word probiotic means for life yes. so you were very correct when you said that when you take antibiotics they are non-discriminate. They are going to clear out all life, whether it's microbial and bad or microbial and good. Um, but these little tiny friends that live in our guts have enormously important roles. They help us digest our food and create hormones and neurotransmitters. And one of the most important things when it comes to autoimmune conditions and healing is that they maintain the integrity of the lining of our gut, which we've just seen in this autoimmune equation is central to the development of an autoimmune condition or healing from one. Right. So it is vitally important, as you said, these probiotics. Um, and, and I would say that, you know, we have to go low and slow in starting because many people who are very ill, mm. you know, have trouble taking any kind of um, supplements, yeah. right? Yes. So yeah. there are some people like Natasha um, McBride Campbell, who wrote that wonderful um, gut uh, gaps diet. Mm. I forget the name of the book. Um, wonderful book. She even recommends just drink the juice of sauerkraut, just a teaspoon, because there are more beneficial microbes in that teaspoon of sauerkraut juice than there are in a probiotic capsule, uh, for example. Um, but very, very healing and nourishing. And the, the advice that I would offer is to start low and go slow. And you have to pay attention to your own body, how you respond. One probiotic that's um, I've seen have very beneficial results with many people are spore-based probiotics like Megaspore would be an example of one. Mm -hmm. But no harm in doing both, taking some kim organic kimchi or sauerkraut, having your kefir. I don't know if it's coconut-based, but that's what I would recommend. And um, you know, adding probiotics as part of your healthy supplement regime and minimizing the antibiotics and save them for life-threatening uses and not just at the yes. common cold because we are wiping out our microbiomes and we need these microbes. And I've heard in some cases it takes two years or more to restore this balanced, healthy microbiome. So that would be some thoughts. I think that if more people realized it took such a long time for the microbiome to be established, they'd be a little bit more hesitant and just um, taking so these antibiotics at, at a whim anyway. For the That's right. Most important things. The, um, what is the role of essential fatty acids? And um, where does that fit in the picture? 
So th that was a question that I asked these neurologists over the course of many, many years. What about omega-3 fatty acids and EPA? So good for the brain. And they said, there's not enough science about this. We just simply don't know. Um, you know, no, they're essential. Um, we need them. And um, our brains are, what, 60% fat? Our cell membranes are made up of a fatty lipid layer. So yeah. if we don't get enough fat, we literally are not supercharging our system uh, in order for the conductivity of our central nervous system, for our processes, for our joints, for everything. We need healthy fat. So I would say there's definitely a role. Um, but when you're going to take supplements to make sure these are molecularly distilled and very thoughtfully tested and you know, you don't just buy your supplements at the supermarket, you you know, invest in these because whatever you're taking becomes part of your own tissues. So invest wisely is what I would say. Okay. Now we've discussed um, quite a bit about the, the food side aspect of multiple sclerosis. Is there a pathogen basis to it as well? Are there, are there viruses that can align a person to become, um, to make the immune system possibly start misbehaving and um, create the conditions which are conducive for developing multiple sclerosis? Absolutely. Um, so I think to introduce this section, it would be very helpful for viewers to understand that the multifactorial nature of what we're talking about, of not just foods, but after I healed and I found this exciting science, I figured, you know, people need to know that they're way more in control of their health outcomes, but I wanted to help them understand what are those factors they need to, to examine? What are the root causes that they can potentially control? And that led me to really discovering, or not discovering personally science, but to categorizing all of the various areas that could be addressed. And because I'm a word person, I wrote all the words down, um, <laughs> food and gut health and hormones, right? I wrote all the words down like a jumble yeah. and it spelled this word and the word was fights. And fights oh, wow. stands for food, infections, gut health, hormone balance, toxins, and stress. And that's why the subtitle of the book is the six keys to reverse your condition and reclaim your health. Those are the six keys. So um, I lament that it didn't spell the word peace, but it is more aligned with what my dad said that, honey, you could beat this thing. In any event, um, not everyone has to look at every category, but in the book, I include a bunch of self-assessments where you can see whether or not you, know, you might need a tune-up in this particular area, because these are all critically important, not just for the development or healing of MS, but for any of the autoimmune conditions. I, when I first started studying, I thought I was just going to be studying about MS, but it turns out that all autoimmune conditions respond the same way. We get them by the same root causes and the specific autoimmune condition that someone develops is due to their own weak link, their own genetic right. tendencies, right? Yes. So that autoimmune equation that Dr. Fasano founded is applicable ac across a wide range of autoimmune conditions. And again, we detect and remove our triggers and we heal and seal our gut. So the triggers might be an infection you just brought up. You know, could, could an infectious microbe be responsible? Well, more and more doctors and scientists are seeing um, more than ever before the advent of new or 
a greater number of microbes. And, and one of the biggest culprits is chronic Lyme disease, which by the way, has been reclassified as an autoimmune condition. So yes, there are infectious microbes that are way more common than we might have imagined. And another one is reactivated Epstein-Barr virus, which is part of the herpes family, as is cytomegalovirus. So these um, viruses or bacteria, and in some cases yeast like candida, can really become a dominant player in our own ecosystem and stress our immune systems to the point that this is in fact a very heavy load and we have to do our best to detect it, remove it, and heal and seal the lining of our gut. So yes, you're absolutely right. They are a big player. Wow. Okay, well, um, toxins in our environment, the air that we breathe. Um, there's not a lot that, <laughs> you know, we, we, people are gravitating towards the cities as, you know, it's a, it's a fact of life now. It's a, modern era that's where the work is right but it's also where the dirty air is um are there are there little tricks that people can do to just try and minimize the amount of pollution that they're exposed to yeah yeah this is this is a big one um and it turns out research that i've done shows that indoor air is about 90 percent more polluted than outdoor air so right. a lot of these buildings in our cities are called sick buildings because they were developed in, um, I don't know, the 60s, 70s, to be completely sealed off from the outside. So yeah. we just have this bad air circulating inside these buildings um, and in our homes. So if you're living in an area where you're not by an industrial power plant or some sort of smelting plant or you know, uh, an arsenic mine, um, then it's advised to open your windows, get some fresh air, bring it in, get, get air circulating in your home. If the air is fresh enough to do that, you don't want to seal yourself in your house. And it turns out we as human beings spend about 90% of our time indoors. So there's a, a huge thing that we can do for our health just by opening windows. And for those who can afford an air filter, that might be um, a next level thing that you can do is to start to clean and purify the air you're breathing. Yes. I uh, found um, somewhere on the internet, you can just use a HEPA filter, place it over a fan. Yes. It's <laughs> a simple, cheap uh, solution. You don't have to buy anything expensive. And that's an excellent, excellent suggestion. And I have spoken with environmental building sciences experts who say, whatever you do, don't use a broom in your house because you're just sweeping the dust particles and possible mold and mycotoxins around the floor, you can get a, a HEPA vacuum cleaner and that's going to help to clean what's landing on your floor. So ban the broom and use one of these HEPA vacuum cleaners. I have a shark rotator that's very effective. And <laughs> so those are, you know, and this is something that's fairly reasonable in price, but it does make a big difference in the quality of your air. Right. Wow. Have you, um, let's change the subject back again. Um, in, in your family, have you, have you had other people or your, or your friends uh, diagnosed with a, an autoimmune condition? And have you managed to apply your techniques, what you've learned? 
<laughs> that is a great question. Um, I, I'll start by saying you probably know or can imagine how difficult it is to work with a family member to you know suggest changes, right? Um, so so yes, indeed. I told you early on that I'm adopted. So I didn't know my birth history until 2014. I did a 23andMe test and found my biological father through doing this test. Gosh. And it turns out, yes, yes, I did. It's a good story for another time. No, no, but no, I did find now, otherwise I might be a little bit off. I've got to hear it. <laughs> well, it turns out, it turns out I wasn't looking for him. I was looking for a particular gene. I wanted to see what my health status was. And I also wanted to understand what my heritage was. Yes. And so you look at this 20, you, for those who don't know what you do, you spit into a test tube and you send it off and they, they can test your genetics based on your saliva for something like $99. And I found out my, you know, my background is some combination of Norwegian and Scottish, which wasn't too surprising. Okay. So I found that I, in fact, had a first cousin. I sent a message and I ended up getting connected with my birth father, right. who I had never met. I had never even, you know, I, I wanted to thank my birth mother at some point, but I, I hadn't even imagined a birth father. So uh, what I want to say is they just welcomed me and my husband into this family with loving open arms and because nobody wanted anything from each other. It was just a happy accident that we found each other. Um, wow. Most of these adoption stories don't end like mine. Yes. So I say, you know, do these things at your own um, risk, right? There's always risk involved. Sure, sure. But to answer your question, um, it turns out that he does in fact have MS, which is, which is amazing. So wow. I, I want to say two things about this. One of which is, yes, he has MS. It's a fairly mild case. He's extremely athletic and they eat pretty well and you know, have good outlooks. And so he's yeah. living a, a, a pretty good life. Mm. Um, and, but I, I do want to go back to the science that I was sharing earlier because I told you I had three pieces of science to share and I only shared two, epigenetics and the autoimmune equation. But this ties right into the birth family yes. because when I healed, I wanted to understand, John, what percentage risk is genetic versus what is my lifestyle in terms of recovering from a condition. So I did all kinds of research. I found a study from 2014 back to the CDC again, the Centers for Disease Control. And this 2014 report said that unfortunately, only 10% of your health outcomes are due to your genes. 90% or more is due to your lifestyle. Wow. And so from my vantage point, right, I'm adopted. I've always had this question in my mind, what's more important, nurture versus nature? Yes. And I find this study that it's not the genes, it's your environment that matters. And that you know, goes back to this whole idea of epigenetics. And even more recent research in the area of cancer now shows that only about 5% of your health outcomes are due to your genes, but 95% is how you live your life, which is why those fights factors, the food, the infections, the gut health, hormone balance, toxins, and stress is huge because yeah. that's the 95%, right? Yes, yes. So whether or not somebody wants to follow this is up to them. You can only 
talk about things or bring something to someone's attention, but it's up to them as to whether or not they want to embrace this concept of holistic healing. Wow. This is a really beautiful story, Chosen, because he got to meet your, your biological father. Did you meet your biological mother? No, sadly, I learned that she passed away. Oh. Um, so I never got a chance to, uh, at least in this lifetime on this plane, yeah. I have not had the privilege of meeting her. I, I was ready with a thank you letter. It was a long overdue thank you note. Um, I hadn't been ready to send it. And when I was ready to send it, I found out that she had passed. Um, but it is quite a remarkable story about the genetics to finding the birth father. And um, my husband and I, when we share this story with friends, um, women are typically very moved and oftentimes will cry. And the story is, it's a really good one. Um, but men quite frequently say, well, I don't know that I want to do that 23andMe thing because they're afraid that they might find maybe they had a child they didn't know about, for example. <laughs> in any event <laughs> it's it's empowering it's empowering but this whole concept of genetics i really want to put in its proper place which is it is a blueprint for your health it is not the software the yeah. software is your lifestyle that tells the computer wow. what to do it's wow. not the genes are not your destiny so i i if if i can impart anything it would be to really believe and know that it's possible to beat these conditions that so many of these experts considered incurable and that there is way, way, way more than hope that healing is possible. And in the book, I include a dozen doctors, functional medicine pr practitioners, integrative physicians, each of whom had their own autoimmune condition. And I share their healing journeys of what they did in fact to overcome their own autoimmune conditions. So it's a, and, and they've gone on to help thousands of people. So this is really a massively good news story. It is. Now I'll ask, a, I'll just pass a question uh, forwards from my uh, Facebook viewer. It's from Simcha. Simcha's asking, um, is it common to have more than one autoimmune disease? Ah, uh, yes. Good question. And yes, if you have one, if you have a genetic weak link for others, um, there's a good chance that um, that is more possible. The risk goes up as you have one. So yes, indeed. Definitely. Great. Now that book is so, uh, um, I'm, I'm so looking forward to receiving the book that you've um, graciously sent us. Um, this book published in May, it's got your life story in there. It's got the, um, it will explain, I guess, in more detail, um, the discussion that we've just had today about how to beat autoimmune conditions. Like multiple sclerosis, I really honestly thought that was it. That's, that's, there's nothing you can do about it. This is, a, of course, what doctors say. This is their line. You know? It can be controlled by these drugs, which, yes. aren't, which aren't cheap, by the way, but it keeps me in a job. <laughs> they say. Or they don't say right, um, right. But to actually think that there is a way, uh, what you've described is really changing a lifestyle, changing life habits as well, because the stress side is more of a habit mm. thing. Where mm -hmm. um, it may take on things like meditation and uh, and other things, finger painting, <laughs> whatever works. Whatever, whatever works. works. Put yourself into happy happy zones. It's that's it's, right. 
you've really um, it's quite a paradigm idea that you've, you've uh, presented to us here. Really, really interesting. Really interesting. I didn't I didn't come up with it. I simply package things together from the perspective of somebody who has been through this. And honestly, I have to give great gratitude for my father for creating this little fighter that I became because I wasn't I wasn't going to be bullied. I wasn't going to let anyone just tell me that this couldn't be done without any explanation when I ask questions about what about raising vitamin D, what about taking fish oil, what about eating more salmon, what was the medication going to do? And by not getting those answers, I, I just dug in a little bit further. So I, I, I have great gratitude for my father for encouraging that can-do spirit. So. <laughs> Fantastic. Now, how can people buy that book, which I must say is a must buy to people who, who have got any sort of autoimmune conditions. This is definitely a book to, to read. Where can they? So the best place is Amazon. Um, they have the power of purchase. And I um, would advise that people go to Amazon, whether it's the UK or the United States and look for it there. I also have a place where if you buy the book, you can go to beatautoimmunebook.com and download some free bonuses. I include um, 35 gorgeous recipes that the practitioner shared for the book um, and some other items like a quick start guide to help speed people's time to healing. So beatautoimmunebook.com is where they can go after they buy the book. It's amazing. And um, how can people contact you directly? Is there any sort of web page that you have that people can ask questions directly or ask? So the way to the way to interact or connect with me is I do have a website at palmerkipola.com. So that's Palmer K I P P O L A dot com, yes. where people can educate themselves there. I'm no longer taking private clients, but I am building what's called Beat Autoimmune Academy. I have found it's an online site for people who are really committed to wanting to heal and go through the, these steps together. Um, that is something that's coming next month. So they could go to beatautoimmuneacademy.com. That is the only place where I'm going to be coaching and interacting with people. Um, that would be another great place to find me. And lastly, there is a free online Facebook group called Transcend Autoimmune. Um, and that is another lovely place for people to support each other, get their questions answered, and interact with people who are seeking healing. Well, knowledge is everything, isn't it? With knowledge, you can do wonders. It is. Knowledge is important, but action, it makes all the difference in the world. So these micro habits that we can embrace, I mean, you don't have to do everything at once. The book can be overwhelming. If you think you have to address food and infections and gut health and hormone balance and all of this at once, but if you break it into small pieces, do one little thing positively at a time, whether it's just a three-minute meditation or just taking three deep breaths, um, that is a enormously helpful um, towards healing. So as we talked about epigenetics, those forkfuls of food or the hours of sleep you get or don't get, every decision is, is really consequential. So just make the little better decisions each day and those add up over time. Yes. I normally ask our expert to give a summary at the end, a positive summary, but you've done that. You've preempted me and you've, you've made one already. 
<laughs> well, I, I will also, I'll add this. Um, I will add this. I, I would encourage people to chew on that same question that I chewed on at age 19 when I took great offense when somebody asked me, why do I think I got the MS? Yes. So for those of you who are experiencing some disorder um, or have mysterious symptoms that your body is just giving you messages, just listen to that and, and just get curious and get quiet and imagine what's coming up. Is there something in your life that's out of balance? Maybe it's um, a relationship that is not helpful for you. Maybe it's a job that you're not resonating with. Maybe there's something that's off that cognitive dissonance that we talked about just to get really quiet and allow those messages to come up directly and listen to that intuition. Because I bet deep inside each one of us, there is really, really clarity around what could use better balance. Wow. Beautiful words. I agree 100% wholeheartedly. It's sometimes hard to find that spot <laughs> with a cacophony of confusion and noise and everything, distractions all around us, but you've got to find that spot so you can listen. Just three, minute, just three minutes a day or even three deep breaths to center yourself and life can swirl all around you, but our job is to find that peace in the midst of the mess because life is gonna happen Stress can, you know, be things are going to pull us off center. And I believe it's our job to stay as centered as we possibly can to engage that relaxation response because that's the only place where healing happens. Right. And truth often speaks in whispers. You've got to listen yes, carefully. You have to listen. <laughs> Palmer, thank you so much for your time and, um, and the information you've given us. It's, it's, been a, it's been a fantastic seminar. Thank you so much. <laughs> I've just, I've so enjoyed it. It's been such a pleasure and honor and hope it serves your audience, John. <laughs> oh, well, it's, it's um, yeah, I'm sure, I'm sure people have learned a lot from the seminar. Terrific lot. It's turned a lot of ideas on their head, certain ideas I have. Mm. So, you, you can do it. If yeah. I can do it, you can do it. Anyone can do it. Thank you so much. Yep. Thank, Thank you. you. Thank you. You take Be care. well, my friend. <laughs> you too. Bye-bye. Bye. Wow. What a, what a lady. What a fighter. What a winner. Oh, when, when I talk to people like Palmer, sometimes I, afterwards I think, gosh, you know, she's a champion for a lot of people. And what she's doing is just absolutely amazing. And yeah, she's um, she's the sort of person I really look look up to. So there we have it: autoimmune conditions, albeit lupus, Lyme, multiple sclerosis, they can be overcome. I do recommend that people buy the book, the book that she sent to me for free. <laughs> we didn't ask for it. This is her natural. Um, generous nature coming through i find this quite a lot actually with the experts who come online they um not the giving side but they, they're very generous generous with information um they don't get anything with coming on to sama they want you to learn they want you to have a better life and so this hour 
that they've invested is for you. So it's up to us to listen and um, and act on what we've learned from them. So yeah, it's been uh, another good summer. Now before I pull the plug on this one, I've been given the green light to do a bit of a showing off. Now you know that um, during summer we avoid as much as possible talking about Spooky and Mirrormate. They are two main two product lines. Mirrormate released a product around a month ago now. It's Mirrormate Flash. It's this really cool handheld unit and it works in a flash. You pull a trigger and the blinding flash of special light comes out. When you hold it up against your skin, that light kills any germs that are there. And it's so powerful that it can kill cancer cells as well as help out with other issues. I wanted to share with you three testimonials that we've received from people that have bought Flash. This is a woman that had age spots on her face, beauty marks. This person had the age spots near her face, near her eyes, actually. And she purchased Mermaid Flash, and she flashed it for only four days. Each day was 10 flashes at the number five setting. The second photo is on day eight. You can see that the skin has become like a baby's skin, beautiful and pink. There's none of this ugly flakiness that you get with age spots. It's just beautiful, pristine skin underneath. I've got a theory that age spots are reservoirs for viruses. Here, Flash has killed the viruses, and so the skin just flakes away and it leaves the skin that should be there left. And so there's a huge difference between photos. Now this person also used Mermaid Flash on a skin condition. Now they had an accident in Hawaii two months ago and their leg was very infected. Now this infection of two months is an established infection and those are the hardest infections to overcome. So this person started at half power and after a brief time, the deep infection was gone. The redness was reduced to half and the bruised looking area was getting smaller and smaller. Now the good, the good thing about flash is of course it's so portable, so convenient. You start looking for other spots on your skin as well. You think, well, okay, I've done one spot. We can't, where's another one? And I've actually, while I was developing flash, I was trying to find spots and, and flash them. I was running out of spots. Literally running out of spots to test flash on, <laughs> to self-experiment. And this person, they found some red flaky areas on their forehead. And so they flashed that. <laughs> and those scaly 
skinnerias are flaking off, leaving the beautiful skin underneath. <laughs> and this third person now, um, this person flashed their son. They used 30 flashes on setting number one. They did it one session. So the total treatment time will be much less than one second, uh, one, much less than um, half a minute. And of course, acne affects all of us at one time of our life. Now, the photo on the left, you can see the acne around the nose, around the chin area. Look at the photo on the right. Doesn't it look different? Now, the lighting is very different. They admit that. Um, but they say that the results are very impressive in person. Now, of course, acne is filled with bacteria and viruses. It's, they, 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 they make life miserable as we're teenagers. And when you're teenagers, this is when you need your self-confidence more than any other time in your life. Your character is being formed. If you have a face that's got lots of acne on it, you're going to become the center of att attraction for the wrong reasons. And you're going to start feeling self-confidence. You're not going to feel um, confident in public speaking, going out sometimes if, you, if your face is um, riddled with acne, can become a nightmare. And so you become very familiar with products which hide the acne. Well, flash doesn't hide the acne, it gets, it gets rid of it. And it, it allows your natural beauty to shine through. And so, yeah, we're very proud with what we've created. A nice, simple product, one arm button, one trigger button. It doesn't really get any simpler than that. Anyone can truly use it. And you've seen with these three testimonials, the results that Flash is getting with people. And acne is the hardest thing to eliminate. It truly is the hardest. You ask any teenager, it's just not, it's not possible. And the money that you pay for these skin products, which you know in your heart of hearts, they're not going to work. They never do. <laughs> acne is like a superbug, isn't it? But even superbugs succumb to our mirror mate flash. That's our mirror mate flash. It's one marvelous piece of equipment. One little machine can make such a big change in our lives.